that time every single year where we flip the page. Happy New Year to you and yours. And I'm going to say Merry Christmas as well because we are still technically inside of the 12 days of Christmas, and why not say it one more time? Ryan Mitchell alongside Wyatt Morrell, as always. Wyatt, hope you are doing well in this holiday season as we take time to pause a little bit. Hopefully our listeners can do the same. How you doing? So, so hold up a second. Is the 12 days of Christmas, is that that goes on after Christmas? I, I've never been a big, you know, like, I, I don't know how it works, but is that what you're saying? So I learned this from some coworkers a couple of years ago. Yes, indeed, to that question. I believe the 12 days of Christmas do not start until we hit Christmas. That's, so we're still uh, okay. in the midst of it. <laughs> that's that's not what I would have guessed, but I'm not gonna I'm not gonna question. Uh, now you're that second guessing place, me, so. but yeah, yeah. No, no, I'm not. I'm not trying to second guess you. I just that's that's interesting. But no, I'm doing well. Hope you are as well, and uh, still kind of in that lull as far as UMAC hoops goes. But uh, honored that we can at least hop on and have something to discuss. And I'm not gonna lie, this is one of my favorite episodes to record, and uh, I'm looking mm. forward to it. Yeah, and at the end, we'll uh, talk a little college football maybe like we did last year. And if oh. people want to turn it off, Wyatt, they can do it. But you got a lot of stakes oh. again and what's happening at the end of this college football season. And if people want to listen to that, they can. And if they want to shut off the podcast at that point, they can do that as well. So maybe, maybe we'll have that in a little bit. You'll have to wait and see, folks. And, and I mean, I'll just say, I think my predictions last year for the semifinal games were actually just about spot on, too. If uh, people want a little insight to what's going to happen, uh, maybe I can deliver again. But yeah, I know we got more important things to get to first. Uh, it's our resolutions episode. Each team in the UMAC, Ryan, I'm sure they want to have some resolutions for themselves as we flip the calendar to 2023 basically all just UMAC games once you get into the new year there's a couple of non-conference games here and there but this is when you really get into the nitty-gritty and this is where it matters the most so yeah there's some things uh, that I was able to find with the teams I was assigned and I uh, looked through some of the numbers and the stats and I mean I went hardcore on this I don't know what you did but uh, I, I think you'll be impressed with some of the stuff I came up with so I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to it as well. Let's separate the contenders from the pretenders a mm. little bit. And uh, mm -hmm. we normally start on the woman's side, Wyatt. So if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Should we stick with that? Uh, as far as I know, it's not broken. So, yes, that okay. saying, saying applies. So let's let's do it. Let's start on the women's side. And I, I, do you want to go in, like, any kind of order? Or do you just want to pick one of the teams you have? I mean, we could just jump around if you want. Yeah, let's eat. So we each have uh, four teams on each side, as you stated, Wyatt. So I'll let you start. You pick any one of the four that you'd like to, and we'll just keep picking teams back and forth, I guess. Sure. So why don't I start? Uh, let's go Bethany. Let's go Bethany Lutheran. I did have them, correct? I don't want to write anything correct. wrong here. I, yes. I hope we're on the same page. But uh, okay, so the Vikings. Very simple with their resolution for this upcoming year, and this is the women's team. Stick to the painful process and plan. That's their resolution. They're going to stick to this process that's a little painful right now because they're 3-8, and eight, but keep in mind, they always schedule tough in non-conference, Ryan, and it can be tough, and it's baptism by fire and all this stuff. I ran some of the numbers last year. This is in terrible. They started 7-7 seven and seven before the real start of conference play. Otherwise, they win a lot of games. You go back to 2019, they were 24-4, and four, and then in the COVID year, they went 9-1 and one in conference play. So this is a team that's used to winning, but when you schedule tough, sometimes you just got to take the bumps along the way. I don't think they're doing anything wrong over there. They don't need to panic, anything like that. My resolution for them would be to just make sure they stick to the plan and trust the process. 
Very well said. I mean, when I look at Bethany, just, you know, to add it, I mean, the biggest thing I think of with them, you know, they're not going to have a Hannah Geisfeld like they had last year, obviously, mm -hmm. but who's going to be that go-to? Who's going to yep. be the alpha? Can someone assert themselves? Is it Sarah Kaki? Is it Haley Meyer, Ashley Sindel? I hope it's one of those two, but who's going to be that player? Because we talk about it so much, you can have a team effort-wide, but I think one of them has to elevate themselves to that top level if they want to move up the standings to be in that spot well, they want to be at the end of the year. Yeah, well, no, and I agree because otherwise their strength, which would be balanced, then also could be their weakness, you know, on any given night where you don't have one or two players that could take over the game if you need to or put in a big performance. So as great as it is to be balanced, and you can get a long ways with that, I think every team does need uh, an alpha and somebody that is going to be able to kind of take the lead when they need to. So I would agree with that. So where do you want to start on uh, your your side? Yeah, I'm going to go to the squad that Bethany was bounced by a season ago in that Friday night semifinal, which no one really saw coming. And so when mm -hmm. we think about some of the top moments of 2022, that one would be on my list. That win, Coach Groves Club over Coach Jones's club in that UMAC semifinal a season ago. Wyatt, you know, our listeners know it hasn't been the start that Morris would like coming in with so much promise and talent coming back. They've played a really, really tough non-conference slate, and that's continued into this Christmas break with some games they've had out west. They still haven't won a UMAC game. They're 1-10 to start the season. Mm -hmm. But not all hope is lost, I don't think, but they could definitely use some resolutions heading into this new year. And my resolution for Morris is lean into the identity that you know you should probably have. And what I mean by that, why it is, everything has to start with what they do defensively. That's when they were at their best partway through February, and then as we extended it in late February when they went on their run all the way to the UMAC final, that's when they were at their best, when I was able to watch them with my own two eyes, and they're playing that press that kind of baits you near the half-court line. They're not going to be able to do enough scoring, I don't think. And right now, from what I'm looking at, as we sit here recording currently, they're still doing a pretty good job defensively, I would say, as far as, you know, causing the other team into turnovers, as I have to refresh my page here, but it could be better, okay? They're forcing right now just over 18 turnovers a game. I'd like to see that get a little higher. I know that's not bad necessarily, but you're turning it over over 19 times, and that was kind of a challenge and a struggle against Northwestern and North Central out of the gates. So, yeah, you got to take better care of the basketball, but I think that's going to come with, you know what, we can take better care of the basketball by scoring in transition. How do we score in transition and not have to rely so much on the half-court offense? Live ball turnovers. Lean into that identity. Turn the dial defensively. If I'm Minnesota Morris, and if you want to call it get out of this little bit of a hole, you could, but they haven't even played a home game yet in conference, so they're not – panicking by any means but defensively turn the dial for the Morris Cougars yeah it's kind of similar to what I just said with Bethany you know when you use the word identity and, and there's a, similarly another team in Morris that's gotten off to a slow start as far as wins and losses go but that doesn't mean they have to change what they're doing by any means so I like that and it's kind of fitting we do those two back to back like you said so uh, let's see here. I'll go next, and we'll let's why. Well, let's do Crown here. So we're gonna do Crown College. Mm. 
And uh, this one, you know how uh, you, you, you get to this time of the year, and as far as life goes, you know, a lot of people make the resolution to go to the gym and better themselves that way and whatnot. Well, Crown's going to better themselves by shooting the three ball better. That's their resolution here. And you know why, Ryan? Because we mentioned and have said it multiple times, they've got some uh, potential high output from some of their players as far as scoring goes. They could fill it up. We haven't really seen it yet. Big problem is they're not knocking down their three shot. They're 20 28% from three-point range so far. They attempt almost 28 threes a game. So if you're going to be shooting that many, you can't shoot it at 28%. So they either got to better themselves that way or they got to stop shooting the three ball and find other ways to score. And by the way, that is the most three-point attempts per game in the UMAC. So that's their resolution. For 2023, they have to shoot the three ball better. And if they do that, I think they start to see more success. Yeah, I like it. I mean, I mentioned a couple players before. I'll say it too with Crown. I mean, Mackenzie Latsky and Maddie Hecox, you go as far as they take you. And you got to continue to give them opportunities. But like you said, they've had attempts. And if you're going to shoot them that much, you got to make more. So I don't know what that leads to. If you're Coach Tussler's club, you need to practice more on the three balls or instill more confidence. I don't know exactly how it looks. But I agree with you, Wyatt. Make some more threes for Crown because it kind of feels like, Wyatt, that feels like the pass to turn this thing around. I mean, I don't know what else yeah. is the easiest thing for them other than those two getting it going from deep. No, because, I mean, we kind of expected that with them was that they would shoot the outside shot, let it fly. I mean, we even joked about it when they were going into their game against Northwestern, and, and we said, are we just going to let them shoot it 40, 50 times from three, just let them keep shooting it? And I think that is the path. They just got to get hot and start knocking a few of them down. Speaking of getting hot, knocking shots down, we've already seen it a few times so far this season from one player specifically who has had a lot of chatter both on and off the mic when we're talking about the woman's side. She was the number one overall pick by yourself, Wyatt, in our fantasy draft. Mm -hmm. I'm talking mm -hmm. about the Northland College Lumberjills next, the resolution for Northland. Do whatever you can, as a training staff, coaching staff, teammates, find a way to keep Miranda Wagner on the floor and continually putting up shots. Because we talk about the fantasy stuff, and that's a lot of fun, and to see how many shots she puts up and filling up the box score. She had a couple teammates help her out as well in a big win at Martin Luther to open up conference play. But Wyatt, if she stays on the floor and continue to get these opportunities, excuse me, they'll give themselves chances in games that they just haven't been in the last multiple years. And so if she can be healthy into the thick of it when we get into February, I don't care if they're sitting at the number five, six, seven slot in the UMAC. You give yourselves an opportunity if she's having one of those nights to keep you in the ballgame. I mean, she is that type of a player that can give you an opportunity when you walk into a gym when not many people think you're going to have much of a chance. If she can get on a heater, if you want to call it that, and really be in the zone, you give yourselves an opportunity. But... All the attention's going to be drawn on her from the opposition, and she knows how much she's caring for this club coming into each game. So whatever you can do with her, I mean, extra recovery time, giving her little spurts off of practice here and there, keeping her off her feet. I don't know exactly what it looks like, but Lumberjill Nation, you got to take care of number 11 on your squad, Miranda Wagner, and find a way to keep her on the floor as you head down the stretch. 
Yeah, if I would have had uh, Northland, I would have done the same thing. Something to do along the lines of that. Maybe even just let her cook and do her thing on the court. I mean, it, it's pretty simple for them. If uh, they're going to have success win games, she's got to be the main driving force for that. So nothing really more to add from that. I'll go uh, to Northwestern here, and we maybe should add you do Northwestern uh, team. You know just what you're talking about. I, I'm just saying because you watch them play basically every home game when you're there broadcasting. But, no, I do have one for the women's team, and I think you'll like it because here's the deal. You get into UMAC conference play. It's not always going to be pretty. Sometimes you're not going to have your best whether you're on the road or in your home gym. So you got to find ways to win games. How do you win games? You hit your free throws. Northwestern shoots the free throw really well this year at 75% as a team, which is really, really good. So the resolution for them, get to the free throw line more. I think they could still find a way to get there more. They're only attempting 11 free throws a game, Ryan. If that number starts going up and they still can shoot it at 75%, it's going to help them win a lot of games in conference play. And to a certain extent, you can control that, attacking the rim hard, finding different ways to get the ball inside. I think Northwestern can get to the free throw line more. They're only going to have more success. And by the way, six different uh, rotating players and pieces that actually play significant minutes shoot it at 76% or better at the free throw line. So get to the free throw line more. That has to be their resolution here in 2023 if they really want to take this and make this a special season. Yeah, I hear you. Those are all good things. And, you know, sometimes I'm just thinking about the makeup of this Eagles squad. I mean, they love the drive and kick. And I've, you know, watched so many games this year in the Erickson Center where I'm saying they cannot buy a three for whatever stretch it is. And they have so many good looks. But why for so many offenses in the game of basketball, no matter what level we're, you know, speaking of, you and I talk about it all the time. How can you get jump started? Just get to that foul line, get a couple shots to go down. We see it for the best scorers in the UMAC and really at any level, if you're going through a drought and you can't knock down a jump shot, what should you do? What should your coaches be telling you to do? Quit shooting so many jump shots, even if they're open most of the time. I mean, shoot or shoot, you got to keep shooting it. But get downhill, get into that dirty area, into the purple, draw some contact, get to the line, see some shots go through, and then so many things can open up from there. So that's that's a deep dive, Wyatt. That's a good one. I appreciate that. Yeah, no, and uh, like I said, I mean, I, a lot of these, there's a couple different ways you could take it, and I just, you know, figured that was the one from everything I saw that stood out the most to me with this specific Northwestern team. All righty, so you got one left. I got a pair left as we head it back my way. I'm going to move to New Ulm and talk about a Martin Luther College club that I was high on going into the season. I'm not totally down on them yet, okay? They've lost their last four games. They're 0-2 right now in UMAC play, but there's still plenty of time left. I mean, there's no reason to panic. It's not going to get any easier for them, though. They're going to see Bethany Lutheran out of the gates as we restart UMAC play in that matchup on the road. they got a couple tough road ones, actually, before we get back on track uh, with games in New Ulm. But all that is to say, Wyatt, there's a ton of talent on this team. I mean, it all starts and ends with us talking about the point guard, Jordan Heckendorf, and then multiple other returning scores that they have. They're a really talented offensive club, and the numbers just aren't panning out for them right now. they got to take better care of the basketball, okay? You can't be turning it over an average of just over 18 times a game if you're Martin Luther and are going to find a way to work yourselves up in the standings a little bit. And, yeah, we can look at the field goal percentage numbers at 35%, and especially from downtown sitting at just 29%. You'd like to see that one especially go up a little bit. But 
they got so much talent, and I was really impressed with how they finished last year, but they got to take better care of the basketball, and the margins are thin right now. I'm not panicking too much if I'm Martin Luther, but I don't think they're going to be a team, Wyatt, where I talked about earlier with Minnesota Morris, lean into that identity defensively and do more on that end to kickstart your offense. That's not what I'm saying with Martin Luther. Just with the makeup of the roster, I don't think that's how they're built is to say we need to see more pressure defensively and do something to ratchet that up in order to get their offense going. No, they got to take better care of the basketball, maximize their opportunities there, and their offense is going to have to be what leads them into the conversation of fighting on that number four, number five line. Because I said coming into the season, you know, that I believed in that squad and I'm still not losing out hope is what I'm saying, Wyatt. I still believe they can be in the thick of that conversation, but it starts with finding a way to maximize their opportunities more offensively for Martin Luther. Sounding your voice tells me you're starting to get a little bit concerned, though. I, <laughs> I don't know. Bit, not, just a little bit. You're not completely jumping ship yet, but you're <laughs> definitely, uh, you know, the boat's taking on water. So <laughs> I, I don't fair, know. For sure. Hey, I might have something to say about taking care of the basketball a little bit later on as well. So that's always a good one and something that you can control. So I like that. So the last one I have on the women's side is Superior. Ryan, since, you know, conference play started and uh, we've, you know, looked at this team and there's really hasn't been a lot to dislike, right? I, I mean, we've They both, don't need a resolution. I mean, they just do. keep it going. <laughs> they, they do. That's not what I'm getting at. But if there was a team right now with the way this season has started, you could make a case they're the one that probably has the least to be concerned about just based on everything we've seen from them recently and the performances they had in conference play and obviously, you know, talking with uh, Coach Carpenter and just uh, her thoughts on the program and everything. Like, I don't know, they're in a good spot, it seems like. But the one thing that stood out to me when I was looking at this, they do have a negative rebounding differential so far this season. Mm. And it's... One of those things, a lot of their main contributors, I looked at it first off, Maddie Sanders leads them in rebounds per game at 6.3. A lot of teams tend to have somebody that's up there around 8 or 9, it seems like, but she's only at 6.3, so that kind of goes to show it's a rebounding by committee. You know what I mean? Like, it's got to be multiple people that step up and kind of put that on their shoulders. So they got to start committing to rebounding better, and it's got to be everybody. That's the resolution. If they can rebound better and take that and turn that into a positive margin throughout the course of UMAC play, it's only going to make them more dangerous because right now that'd be the only thing uh, from what I've seen that's holding them back right now at this point in the season. So that's the resolution for them. They have to commit to rebounding better at a higher clip. They have to do it together as a unit. It's not going to be one person, and everybody has to dig in and uh, make that commitment. I like how you mentioned that, Wyatt, at the end, because I don't think they necessarily have the makeup as some of these other teams to have one or two players carry the huge load. It needs to be a team effort. We can't have cherry picking for Coach Carpenter's club. Five have got to crash the glass. You can't be leaking out early, and you got to commit to that and then understand that that means we're not going to get as many leak outs necessarily be going the other way, and I don't think that's necessarily how they're designed either. I mean, they talk about in-your-face defensively type of things but that also has to include with okay you can make the stop you can do all that stuff when we talk to coach carpenter we want to have really good on ball defense and not give you a lot of room to breathe well speaking of breathing you can't breathe ah oh, thankfully they finally put a shot up we can stop defending no it doesn't stop there you got to find a body you got to box out and you got to hit the glass with all five on the floor so that's a good one Wyatt. i do appreciate that all right that means it's back to me and we just have one final team 
to talk about Wyatt. It's one that uh, we've chatted about a lot on and off the mic, and you've had some doubts about this North Central Club coming off of their conference championship, and even though they're the defending champs, you are I mean, remembering it wrong. You are remembering <laughs> it wrong, Ryan. Don't worry, I'll correct that for you. You have had the doubts, so it's fitting that you got to come up with a resolution for them here. What, what do they yeah, need to do to well, regain your trust? Yeah, you're putting me in a really tough spot here, Wyatt. This is really difficult. No, I'm just kidding. You know, this is similar uh, for me, Wyatt, to a little bit of what I talked about with Minnesota Morris, and it's actually working so far for North Central in the fact that they beat Morris, and they also beat Crown, and they're 2-0 early in UMAC play, and would encourage all of you, if you have not listened in yet, to our conversation with Coach Leah Zabla that we dropped last week Enjoyed spending some time with her talking about the good start for North Central and what they've been able to do to get off to their 2-0 start in UMAC play and their good overall record as well. But all that is to say, Wyatt, yes, they have some pieces that you look to, and it all starts and ends, in my opinion, with Joel Telso, and I think Coach Zabel even confirmed that for us in, in talking a little bit about Joel in our conversation. But I think it's a lot different than what we've seen in the past where we talked about it throughout last season. I mean, they're called Downtown U for a reason, and Coach Bruner and that program for so many years leaned into the three ball, and when do we see that breakout performance where Conte and Robinson and Hagstrom and Giorgio are all hitting on full cylinders and they put up some big offensive gaudy numbers? I just don't feel like that's coming for this team, Wyatt. So continue what you're doing defensively. Continually value the basketball offensively and then cause the other team to make the mistakes and wait for them to give the basketball to you because right now they're doing a really good job, Wyatt. Yeah, they're averaging, you know, as I have to get these numbers correctly here. Sorry. They don't, uh, they're yeah, averaging, have. they have the most helpers right now in the conference, okay, at 16 and a half. Sure. But they're still coughing up the basketball 19 times a game. So. That could get better on that end. I really like how they're sharing the ball because, quite frankly, they need to do that because they don't just have clear out, give it to one player, and let them go. They need to have good team basketball. That's showing up offensively. Okay, defensively, we'll continue to find ways to cause the other team into turnovers and you know, also not turn the basketball over so much yourselves. I mean, we want to get that number nowhere near 20 and start to knock that down a little bit. If you're North Central, they got to do more of those little things correctly wide, I think, especially when you have the big games against, you know, the Northwesterns and the Bethanies of the world who are near the top right now. When we look at the standings, when you see Minnesota Morris again and you're facing a UW Superior, all those things are going to come back to the forefront of being really big keys if North Central is going to find themselves in that top four, in the top Two, they would love to be to host a playoff game in the opening round of the UMAC tournament. So it's the little things, I guess, is the resolution to you know put a bow on this whole thing for, for North Central. And it starts with taking care of the basketball and then turning over the other side as well, which, to be clear, I liked what I've seen so far, especially sharing, spreading the love around. North Central's done a good job of that so far. Well, what do they have to do to get you on board? Are you getting you know, closer to being uh, back on board with this team? What, what do they got to do to prove themselves to you? I'm just curious. I tell you what, we're going to find out real soon, Wyatt, because their first game back in UMAC play, walking in with that 2-0 record, they're facing another team who's also 2-0. Mm. Mini V. Paul, but this time North Central's not in the friendly confines. To go on the road to Northwestern, a place where you know some of them have good memories from that game a season ago in the semifinals, but new coach, bunch of new players into big roles. It's a different spot. If they beat Northwestern that night, 
my tenor is going to change a lot. And I'm not doubting them and saying they can't do that. I'm going to save a lot of my thoughts about that game and getting into specifics on it until we talk next week and preview that matchup that I'm looking forward to. But we're going to learn a ton from that, Wyatt. It's not just that they're going on the road. It's the first road game in conference, and it's against another undefeated UMAC club who is, you know, right there in the thick of it when we're talking about teams who could be cutting down the nets at the end of February. There you have it. Like you said, we'll dive into that matchup a little bit more when we preview it next week. Is that, uh, I will just say one thing, is school back in session for for Northwestern by then? I don't think it is. I don't believe so, and I don't so think it maybe, will be either for North Central. Maybe the Rams, well, I mean, yeah, because, I mean, they could have some people travel, but maybe they catch the Eagles at a good time as far as playing on the road goes. So that, really that maybe, yep. maybe worked out well for them. But anyways, uh, yeah, that's what we got for the women's side as far as resolutions go. Let's hop right on over into it on the men's side. I'll let you go first this time on the men's side Oof. since I went first. So what, who do you want to start with? Oof. I mean, do I start with the big hitter? I think I'm going to slow roll that one a bit here. I'm okay. not going to start with the biggest of big hitters. Um, let's start with the Jackets of UW-Superior, all right? Coach Polkowski's club. I think we're seeing some signs, Wyatt, that offensively things could be a little bit different for them this season, okay? I mean, it is still early. Don't get me wrong. But when they're north of 70, that's a good sign. They want to continue to tick that number up, but they're averaging 74 points a game right now. They always hang their hat defensively. We want to give ourselves a chance. We don't want these games to get higher than the upper 70s per game, and they're averaging letting up just a clip over 72 points a game. Now, could you knock that down a little bit? Sure, but offensively, I think we're seeing some really good signs for UW Superior, my guy, leading the way, Joseph Farrell. Mm. just had to throw that in there real mm-hmm. quickly. But when I'm talking about UW-Superior, it's finding a way to continually stay super efficient offensively. I don't have a lot of questions about them defensively. Yes, they lose some really good on-ball defenders from a season ago in Vogel and now you know Ackley and Patterson who are out at Bethany Lutheran, and we're going to talk about them in a little bit, Wyatt. But I feel like we kind of know for the most what we're going to get with them defensively, and now you know it's a question of offensively can they do enough so my resolution for them is continue to find ways to give yourselves chances offensively and then you know you let the chips fall as they may and as we look ahead to see what they got going on to start the restart of UMAC play it's a very winnable game at home against Northland so stack on another one get over 500 and then you're really going to be tested on the road at Crown and at Morris but you and I talked about it Wyatt even though they lost to Bethany We came on this pod and we said how encouraging it was for the Jackets. Yes, it was a late stretch, and a lot of those points came with under five minutes to go, but you got north of 80. Now, you don't want to give up 85, but if you're Coach Polkowski and his staff, I mean, I'm sure you're pulling your hair out at that, but you're saying that's maybe the toughest assignment we're going to have all season long defensively is going into Mankato to face a fully healthy Bethany squad who is feeling real good and we'll take our chances at correcting that, you know, the next time we see them, and then if we see them a third time in the postseason. So my resolution for Superior, don't become complacent. Continue to look different offensively, if that makes sense, where, hey, if they need to score 75 and sometimes near 80 points, they can do it against a lot of clubs this season when maybe in the past that just was not in the cards for Superior basketball. 
Well, I tell you what, this is a good segue because I do have a resolution for a team, and it is just straight up defense. And, and that team is Martin Luther right now. So why don't we just t- touch on that quickly? They got to play better defense, right? And they're giving them 90 points a game. And uh, that is something we, we've said it before. I think I've even used the phrase defense travels. So when you talk about superior, you know you're going to get their defense uh, night in and night out, right? And that's why you yep. think they need to do more offensively. Martin Luther right now, and look, obviously they're trying to build towards something they haven't gotten off to the start they wanted. Their defense, though, that's something they need to try and improve on here, I think, once they flip the calendar and get into UMAC play, because they just, they're not going to be able to score with teams if they're letting them 90 points a game. That's just the reality. So defense, take some pride in that. That's something that, like I said, can travel from building to building, something they can take pride in and improve on here in 2023. So pretty straightforward with them. It's their defense. That's something Superior does a great job of, like you said. So from them needing to improve offensively, in your opinion, or just like having a resolution as far as doing more offensively, can they start to score more if they need to, to the other side of the coin with Martin Luther, they have to defend better. Yeah, I want to stick with the defensive theme as well. But yeah, I mean, Superior White, who would have ever thought we'd be saying this when we're recording at this point? Who has the best team three-point field goal percentage? as we hit the end of 2022 who would you have guessed coming into the season coming probably, into the probably, season probably not the squad is in first right now i take it it's superior after it's superior you know you're 30, if the, if it wasn't the, that would be something after this lead-in but what are they 30 what 38 percent from deep leading the whole conference in their third and overall field goal percentage at 47 i mean how about that Especially yeah, I, after honestly, losing Vogel, Ackley, and Patterson. No, you're All those right. Those guys are you're, gone. You're absolutely right. And honestly, it's an interesting question. I'm not sure who I would have said at the beginning of the year. Traditionally, you'd think a team like Bethany maybe, but you didn't know yep. what their makeup was going to be this year necessarily. So, yeah, no, that that goes to show you, I mean, Superior's capable of doing it. Can they put it all together? All right. I'm going to stick with the defensive theme. As I mentioned here just a moment ago, you talk about – you know, Martin Luther needs to turn the dial. Uh, I'm going to move over to Northland, and I'm going to say the same thing. Coach Sorensen talked a lot about defense, and we chatted with him uh, a season ago and figuring that out on that side of the ball, and it was really huge for them to get off to that good start in UMAC play last season. They're not quite at the 91 per game that Martin Luther is allowing, but Northland is allowing 81 per game. And now we got to be careful, why? and I'm talking to myself when I say this, okay? These numbers can get kind of inflated depending on who you play. And when you Mm -hmm. go to a Bethany Lutheran and you let up a buck 11 in the second UMAC game, yeah, that's going to hurt the overall average. But it still counts. It's still still a part of the sample size. And you can't really see any more two polar opposites when they let up 52 to Martin Luther in their win to open up UMAC play. And then less than 24 hours later, they let up a buck 11 on the road in Mankato against Bethany. I mean, those are two totally... Different offenses to defend. All that is to say, I mean, it's similar to what I talked about with some of the clubs on the women's side, Wyatt. I mean, there's no getting around, you know, the fact. No ifs, ands, or buts. Northland's defense has got to be near the top half, if not in the top three, if they want to have any opportunity to somehow be in that four or five line conversation and have a chance to get into the UMAC playoffs when we sit here you know, first, second week of February, and we're talking about a path for them to get in. Defensively, it's got to be better for Coach Sorensen's club if they want to have a chance and just give their offense an opportunity because Martin Luther is last in scoring per game. Northland's not much further ahead. They're the second team under 70 points a game at 67. So that means, in turn, 
your defense has got to be a lot better, and there's obviously a lot of things you can work on over the Christmas break, but I can guarantee you Coach Sorensen and his staff are trying to find out ways to say, okay, if it's a press, if it's a switching to a zone, if it's playing more man-to-man, I don't know what it is exactly, but we got to find a way to be more competitive on that side of the ball to give ourselves a chance because it's not going to become any easier when we see Bethany again. We still got to see Northwestern twice, Crown twice, North Central twice. They got to figure out some things defensively if they want a chance as we flip the page into 2023. So I'm curious, do you think it's easier to fix offense or defense? It's a great question. Why? I would say, you know, circumstances matter, but just overall broad strokes from a thousand feet, I'd say defense. I, I tend I, to agree. Because a lot of times I feel like it can be somewhat effort and there's a lot of different looks you can give. Let's say you play man-to-man a lot. All right, let's try some 2-3, and then let's try a 1-3-1, one, one, and then let's just do a little bit of token pressure here and there to get the other side off their rhythm. And, again, a lot of it, I hate to you know say it in harp on teams, I'm not saying they don't have the effort, but yeah, we just yeah. got to dig in more. We got to hit the glass more. We got to be more aggressive. I feel like there's more tweaks because sometimes offensively, Wyatt, it's as simple as this. I know it may sound like, you know what, we're saying the most simple thing ever, but it's true. It can be a make-or-miss league. You can be getting all the yep. open shots you want, and if you're not hitting them, the only way you really fix that wide is to continue to instill confidence into your players, right? I mean, if you're getting open looks, you're not just throwing the tape on and saying, nope, we got to scrap everything and not take these kind of shots. you got to trust your players eventually, and it feels like there's more tweaks that can be had defensively. No, I agree, and I tend to agree for a lot of the reasons you said. Offensively, as far as it goes, in my opinion, sometimes the skills and and what you have is what you have. You you can only improve that so much. So defensively, and I'm not questioning anybody's effort either, but like you said, you can find ways to try and make opponents and opposing teams and coaches think a little bit harder and make tougher shots and do things that, you know, they otherwise wouldn't have to do. So I, I would agree. I think defense is an easier fix, and that's why, uh, notice with these resolutions, I haven't really said a team needs to flat out fix their offense, but defensively, uh, there tends to be areas that you can improve on, in my opinion. So I just thought it was an interesting question. Anyways, going on over to one of the teams I have, I'm going to go with Northwestern right now. It's a team we talk a lot about, Ryan. And, you know, we've talked through this. They've struggled at times this year. We've said, well, what is it? What do they need to improve on? I think the answer might be right in front of us. Oh. You know, Sometimes, yeah, (laughs) so sometimes people, when they make these resolutions, one of them is, hey, they want to eat better. You know what I mean? You you know where I'm going with this yet? No, you're kind of fooling me a little bit. I'm excited to hear what you're going to say. Northwestern needs to eat better. They need to stop bringing the turnovers to the party, Ryan. They need the veggie trays. No more apple turnovers? No more apple turnovers. (laughs) They're averaging 16 and a half turnovers per game. That is way too many. Last year, do you know what the number was, or where? What would you guess the number oh, was last question. year with that team, uh, an NCAA a tournament question. team? What a question! I'm gonna say it wasn't more than like 13 and a half. I'm gonna go with 13. 11. Really? That's a not. That's a really good number. That's a really good number. That's where they should try and be around. Even 13 is a lot better than 16 and a half, which is what they're at right now. So they got to take better care of the basketball. And, and there's some other things, too, that I could have gone or directions we could have gone with this. But that's that's one clear, obvious one. When you look at it, they just have to take care of the basketball better. That's that's definitely holding this team back right now, I think. 
and, and it's a little untypical, I feel like, for a Coach Gross team as well, just based on the number. Absolutely. I didn't look back at all the teams, but I'm going to guess if last year's team was around 11, uh, the exact number was 11.3. If they were around that number, I'm sure the other teams that he's had probably aren't too far off of that either. Yeah, that's that's definitely a key thing for, for any program, and I would be pretty shocked if that number doesn't head pretty substantially south eventually for Northwestern. I mean, would you agree? Like, if that number's not moving south pretty quickly, something's seriously awry. If it's not, I don't think they're going to be as successful as they can be, possibly. So so I think we'll get a pretty good indication that uh, if they start winning games, the number's going to drop. And if it's uh, they're losing games, that number's either rising or staying the same. It's the cliche in football, too. If you win the turnover battle, you're going to win the game. It's kind of the same in basketball. If you take care of the basketball, you're going to give yourself a great chance to win night in and night out. Absolutely. So... I'm going to move on here, as you've done a pair of teams. I have to do my third team here. I'm just crossing them off here. I'm going to slow roll the last one. Like I said, I was kind of trying to decide between the two. Well, I'm, I'm figuring roll. out from the process of elimination, we're getting down to where I'm, I'm figuring out who this team is going to be. I'm going to go back to downtown U, and uh, somehow I got both Rams si- uh, squads, and you got both Eagles squads. Eh, I don't it, know it how is what it is. It's okay. <laughs> you're, you're the one that sent them out, so I mean, I know exactly how it happened. I'm not sure what your method or logic or reasoning was, but it I'm was, okay with it. It was very random. Let me uh, be clear on that. So, okay, we're talking about North Central. For those who don't know, right now in the standings, Coach Becker's club is sitting at 1-1 one and one so far in UMAC play. I've already mentioned there. Next UMAC matchup is against Northwestern. When we make the return on January the 7th, really looking forward to that matchup. Who's the number two? That's my New Year's resolution. Make a definitive movement once we turn into 2023. Who's going to be the second scorer? Because there's no question, you know, I'm not going to come on here wide and saying, Mike Gefiler has to assert himself. He has to be the alpha. He needs to get the shot attempts. We all already know that. I mean, I could say that, but that's a given, Wyatt, okay? He's going to get a ton of shots up. So long as he's on the floor, he's going to play darn near 40 minutes every game. He's going to guard one of, if not the best player on the other side, and then he's going to get buckets on the other side of the floor. That's all already a given. But who's the number two for this club, Wyatt? Mm-hmm. I mean, this is almost where I turn it to you. I guess I don't because this is my my squad, if you will, that I'm talking about. But, I mean, I don't know who it is exactly. I mean, Cam Thomas, I think, has all the ability in the world to be that guy. Tanner Holtman feels kind of like more of a spot-up shooter. Caden Sund has some good size, but it feels like, you know, Cam maybe has a little more game with the basketball in his hands and space to operate. And then Jonathan Thompson's just a guy who, you know, had a lot of talent that I've talked about before, but just isn't on the floor enough. And it feels like, you know, Caden Freetley is more of a distributor at the point guard position. So all it is to say, I think it's Cam Thomas. So maybe it's not. I don't feel like I have as good of a read on this club as I once used to in the last couple of years because of the turnover that we've seen. But you got to have a number two night in, night out that you're going to get double figures from. You're going to get a guy who's going to fill up either the stat sheet on the glass, which obviously that could be Cam Thomas, or in the assist category, doing a little bit of everything to help out Micah Filer. I mean, we go back to the last UMAC game wide as an example. Yeah, Micah dropped 30, but Cam was really efficient. Four assists from the field, 10 points, six boards. Tied for the lead on the team with four assists, also had a pair of blocks. That's good. I mean, those numbers could be a little better as well if we want to be nitpicking a little bit, but they need a number two. And it doesn't have to be super flashy, and this isn't a conversation of what 
is the most eye-popping things for resolutions for each team. No, it's really simple for North Central. Who is your number two? And it has to be a team effort. I get that, and everything revolves around Micah. But someone needs to take that next step to say, I'm going to be the Robin to the Batman that is Micah Filer. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't agree, uh, disagree with that at all because, you know, they have such a unique situation. They have right now arguably the best player in the conference. And again, if Kate Carroll's out there, that's a different story. But from what I've seen as far as from a scoring standpoint and just uh, overall from the volume and everything we've seen so far, it's a pretty good sample size at this point in the season. Micah Filer's playing on a pretty good level. You're right, though. Who's going to be number two? They got to have some bounce. They have to have more contribution. That very well could make or break this team's uh, season. Again, I still think the conference is fairly open. I think Bethany's number one, but then I think everybody else behind them right now, including North Central, ha has a case to make uh, to turn this into a pretty good season. So it'll be interesting. And, uh, you know, I, I just think even the teams in the past for North Central, you know, even last year and a couple of years ago, they've had, like you said, a, a couple of different options that just aren't there now. So it's it's an interesting situation for them, no question. Let's see here. Why don't uh, I'll go to Crown. Let's talk about the Polars. Almost called them the Storm there. I had to catch myself. But uh, here's here's what I'm going to say about them. And uh, if this was like a Christmas gift or something, you know, we, we could talk about how they, they need some uh, better health. Because if Kate Carroll's on the court, this is a completely different team, right? I mean, that's just the bottom line. But you can't really make a resolution about that. But if I could, that would uh, be the resolution for him. But anyways. What, what, would you, what would you wrap in this hypothetical? If you're giving someone better health and you have to put it under the Christmas tree. I don't know. I mean, how do you do this in, in as nice a way as possible? An antidote or something? <laughs> like MJ secret stuff? I don't know. Just something that if you drink this... <laughs> You're okay. going to be healthy for the rest of the season. I don't know. Um, okay. As far as a resolution goes, though, let's say that uh, pretty straightforward. I'm going to say they need to make a resolution. They got to play their best basketball in the biggest games. They had a four-game losing streak this year. Two of the games were in conference. One was an exhibition grant, so it didn't count against them. And the other one was a loss to Bethel. In some of their bigger games, you could argue they have not delivered and stepped up to the table. And I know they won a lot of conference games last year, but we mentioned this when they played in the conference championship. It looked like the lights were too bright. So in the bigger games for them, and that's been the case so far this year, they haven't played their best. So they have to start playing their best basketball in the biggest games. I'm not sure what that looks like exactly. Again, if Cade Carroll's out there with them and he's uh, suiting up, it's a completely different team. And uh, it's not one specific stat or anything like that. For me, at least when I look at this team, they just have to find a way to play better in big games, whatever it takes. Yeah, knees cannot be bent and arms cannot be heavy when the lights are the brightest. I mean, it's pretty hey. clear. Hey, you're, you're, you, don't, you no, probably don't know who I'm quoting I, there. But. I don't, but no lies are detected <laughs> in that statement. So, Okay, one, one follow-up I have for you. Is it a bright lights moment when we return to UMAC play the next time they'll be on the floor with oodles of time off where they've been waiting around chomping at the bit? Saturday at the WAC on the 7th of January hosting the Minnesota Morris Cougars. Is that a bright lights moment against the 2-0 well, Minnesota Morris Cougars? It, it kind of is because of the situation there, and it's a dire situation at 0-2 now. And like you said, dire. Morris is okay. Hey, I, I got. I'm I'm really reaching into the vocabulary bag here tonight. But uh, Morris is two and zero, a team that you're going to be trying to catch now, basically because of where you put yourself this year. And uh, you know, it's one of those things that it, typically, when you look at the schedule at the beginning of the year, it maybe wouldn't have been 
But now it kind of is, so we'll see what crown team we get. And like you said, coming off of the long break, anything can happen that first weekend when you resume play. Yeah, and stay tuned. I have a feeling somehow the Cougars are going to be uh, brought up once more, so stay Ooh. tuned for that, folks. Uh, so I have to finish up here, and there's no uh, second-guessing. I said I would you know, uh, slow roll this one club and wait on them a little bit. I can't wait any longer. They're the club that is right now the favorite undoubtedly in the UMAC, as we've talked about in the last multiple pods. Morris is 2-0, but as are the Bethany Lutheran College Vikings. Now, they do have a blemish on their record, Wyatt. We talked about that a little bit last week in our conversation, and they're lost at Buena Vista, but they're not really too worried. They'll have a couple more non-conference games, as we're talking right now, before they resume UMAC play on the 1st of January against Martin Luther. We've used, you know, the health world uh, a multiple multiple times so far excuse me on both the men's and women's side and you brought it up a little bit earlier as well but especially with Bethany I don't know how it looks exactly and I don't know what the process is like but just keeping their whole unit on the floor my resolution for them is finding a way to get to second week of February with not a lot changing from right now and you could even lose one two maybe three games but that is not the goal of what they want to have, obviously, and it's tough for this to be an exact answer, but just keep all those pieces together, and then you go into a big road game or you have a Northwestern or a Morris or a North Central come to you in the semifinals or a final, and you take your chances with the guys that you've built up with this roster. And so I would just say continue to do what you're doing. I'm not even going to look deep into the stats wide and what's going on because they got all the pieces they could ever want. So continue building your chemistry off the floor and all those little things in practice and just, you know, work on the details. And maybe, you know, one thing if we're going to nitpick, when you get into that tight moment, it's misleading. Like, you know, we've mentioned before, they only beat Superior by three, but it wasn't like a game that was back and forth in the last five minutes where they were just trying to, you know, find a way to make a play. Superior made a big push, and credit to Bethany for hanging on, but we've talked about it with Coach Garvin before, finding a way to close out teams. So maybe that's the resolution is figure out a way to do that, but I'm sitting here, Wyatt, saying that's not exactly my resolution because who's actually going to be right there? And maybe this is too overstating it where you're not going to have a really, really tight game down the stretch, but right now... I mean, I can't guarantee when that's next going to happen for them, and we can talk about that later on in January because, correct me uh, if I'm wrong, Wyatt, I don't think you think that's going to happen in their third UMAC game against Martin Luther. I mean, is it going to be tight? If they improve their defense, Ryan, if they improve their defense, maybe it can. (laughs) Remember the resolution. Wouldn't that be something if somehow it's uh, 71 to 68 Bethany over Martin Luther? That that could be one where we have to do an instant reaction, even though it's a Bethany win. I mean, that would be a sound the alarm. If Martin Luther, Martin Luther beats Bethany, <laughs> we will do an instant reaction pod. You have well, as long as you're okay with it, you have my word. Yeah, we yeah. will hop on the mic, even if it's just for five minutes, just to talk about yep. it quick. But yep. yes, that that would Absolutely, be something. Absolutely, we will. So, so sorry, that's a totally convoluted answer, Wyatt. So I would say figuring out how to close, I guess, is the way I can put it. But it's just it's keeping the group together that you got it staying healthy because it feels like it really is playing out that way for them. And I'll quit rambling along. I was going to say 10 words or less. What is the resolution? <laughs> Find a way to close and be sure to stay healthy. 
I don't know if that was under 10 or not. I'm not going to take the time to count them all. But, uh, yeah, I mean, you're, you're not necessarily wrong. Again, they're kind of the team on the men's side maybe you could look at and say there's not a whole lot to nitpick right now with no. the way they've gotten off to this start, and they look as good as they ever have so far under Coach Garvin. So a lot to like there for yeah, sure. Yeah, they, they don't have to feel this guilt that some people feel going into the new year and this weight on their shoulders and like, ugh. Don't have any more excuses. It's January but, one. I finally got to commit. <laughs> you you can't get complacent either, though. No. Yep. It's the killer of all it's success. A new, it's a new year. I mean, it's a new slate, and everything you've done is you know next to useless. It's not. But just roll with me here, Wyatt, you're, Where you're, you got to say, you know what? We got to prove it in twenty twenty three. I'm just saying, you're only as good as your next game. That's yep. that's the bottom line. So yeah. Okay. So uh, who's the team I haven't said yet, Ryan? Yeah, the squad that you've just been staying away from as much well, as possible. You've been fading them big time. Your words, not mine, but I mean, you went yeah. out west before, Wyatt. you got to go further west. Keep on driving out west. It's a gorgeous drive, but just keep keep going until you get you there. Ta- you take that drive quite quite a bit? <laughs> I mean, I have once or twice, not too many times, but I hear great things about it. Hey, and I know we, you've taken it a number of times. Well, hey, we went there to Big Cat Stadium. Is that <laughs> what it's called? Cat big Cat Stadium. I, I think that's yeah. what it's called. Yeah, we went there. Back in the day. Uh, back in yeah. the day. That's a long time ago. But uh, anyways, yeah, it's the Minnesota Morris Cougars. And uh, here's my resolution for them. Play in 2023 like they did at the end of 2022. They mm. won four of their last five games. They won their two biggest games so far, the conference games against North Central and Northwestern, arguably the toughest road stretch they're going to have all year. And not only that, they've won in different ways. They're winning high-scoring games. They can win low-scoring games. This team seems a lot more gritty and like they have a chip on their shoulder almost compared to recent uh, Minnesota Moors teams that had a tough time defending. Wouldn't you agree with that? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, with what we've seen so far, it's early, but... Those are two as big of a wins as you can point to in the recent tenure of Coach Grove and having those in back-to-back days. There was a lot of grit to get those wins in Minneapolis and in St. Paul on back-to-back days. So it's very simple. If they can play like they did at the end of 2022 throughout 2023, they're in for a good season, and they could uh, surprise a lot of people as the season goes along. You beat North Central Northwestern on the road back-to-back days. You could beat anybody, and Morris has proven that to me already. If they were to play Bethany, there's not a you know 100% Bethany's going to win, and there's not a lot of those anyways on any given day. But if it was, let's say, in Morris or something, it'd be a lot closer than I think a lot of people would think. They've earned that kind of respect from me. Right now where we sit, Wyatt, I'm going to put you on the spot late December. Your life's on the line. You have to make the decision. Morris gets in to the UMAC tournament or they miss it and they're the five or six seed where are you leaning you're, you're saying gun to my head yeah well I wasn't going to say that phrase but you said it okay <laughs> that's that's a popular <laughs> phrase gun, gun to my head and then and that's where you know somebody says I'll just pull the trigger but no I'm not going to say that okay. um let's not get too morbid here okay whoa whoa, whoa. I'm not trying to get morbid but anyways uh we I would probably save how many teams make it just four is so that what we're, we're, we're under the assumption as of right now, <laughs> as of right now, I would say five or six. Wow. What does this team have to do to make well, a believe? Right. Morris fans at, everywhere are saying, what do you want from us? Look at, we've played two conference games. Let's not get ahead of ourselves here. You got Northwestern. Two so huge road wins, beat them like we talked about. I understand yep. they beat Northwestern, North Central head to head and crowns Owen two. 
We got a long ways to go yet, still though. And what Bethany if they beat Crown and go to three and zero with another That's a road huge win. game. I don't think you can stress enough. I understand it's early, but they're two and zero. Crown's zero two. That's a huge game. Yep. Lots of implications. So I, I understand. That's why I said it was so dire for Crown to try and win that game, and it is a big moment because if they lose that and drop to zero and three. Uh, and Morris goes to 3-0, it's going to be tough for them to catch them throughout the course of the season. So that is a big game. I would still lean towards 5 or 6. We'll see where it ends wow. up at the end of the year. But if they wow. can get a win against Crown and, and take care of business in the games that you would say they're supposed to win, quote-unquote, uh, against some of the teams they'd be favored against, then, yeah, they have a good chance of making it. But I'm going to say 5 or 6. Trust that North Central, Crown, uh, Bethany, and... Uh, who am I missing here? Northwestern North Crown, <laughs> North Central, oh, and okay. Bethany. Those are the four yep. right now I would feel confident in uh, sneaking in front of Morris still at this point in time. And you can't forget about Superior either. That's the thing too, right? Yeah. Like Superior is right there in the mix too. So I'd be confident saying there's still five or six at the end of the year. Bulletin board material. Cougar Keep fans, using it. Cougar players. Keep using here it. we go. Going into that Crown matchup, which uh, we're looking forward to that one. That is for sure. All right, that. Wraps up all 16 teams as we finish with the eight on the men's side. Any Happy New Year. final proclamation, sir? Happy New for Year. For that portion. Happy New Year to you as well. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, that's that. That's all I got for you. I mean, New Year's Eve's coming up. And, I mean, do you really want to talk some football quick? Because i got yeah. lots to say. Well, before we get to that point, New Year's Eve is coming up, and that's a big day for uh, a number of reasons. And we're thinking about the, the CFP first and foremost. But, folks, if you'd like to get – in touch with us as always we would love to hear from you questions comments concerns feedback about what you hear on a weekly basis on this podcast i've said it before i'll say it again we're looking to turn the dial in a number of different ways when we jump into the new year so stay patient with us we're looking forward to umac play especially getting back for us to do some new things and start to really ratchet this thing up as we head towards the umac tournament that we're looking forward to in late February, but as Wyatt likes to say, the dream is in the process. We're not rushing things. We're staying in the moment, as Mike Tice once said. Enjoy the season, which how about that, Wyatt? I mean, I'm all over the place. But the Minnesota Vikings, I mean, Mike Tice said it perfectly. He was talking about the 2022-23 Minnesota Vikings when he said that back in the early 2000s. He was speaking to us, He's prophesying what was going to happen. <laughs> He's not wrong. I mean, I, <laughs> Enjoy I would the ride. argue. I would argue. We will never see a regular season for an NFL team like this one ever again. I, I no. think we have been given the greatest regular season as a fan base ever, all time. And we're enjoying it. We're not being stressed out about it. 11-0 I mean, in one-score uh, games, uh, 11-0, one-score games, a 61-yard field goal against the Giants on Christmas Eve. We have the greatest comeback in NFL history. We have There's the most so, underappreciated quarterback in the history of the NFL. So who's many finally things. getting some love. Yep. He's still not though. There's still people that want to try no. and uh, point out. <laughs> it's just it's crazy. I I don't get it. But yeah, no, just what an unbelievable season. So you're right. I I forget where were you going with this. <laughs> I'm just dropping all the cliches, and somehow we had to get the Vikings in there. But I'm saying the dream is in the process. Uh, enjoy the season, as Mike Tice once so eloquently said. I was saying all that, saying we'd love to hear from you. How do you do that? Inbox is always open. U-A-O, the UMAC at gmail.com. Let us know, hey, you got to have this player or players on. You got to talk to this coach if you haven't done so already. Here's a different idea. Here's a new wrinkle. Here's a prediction I have. Really, whatever. We're open for it. And as always, our DMs are open as well on Twitter. You can search us unlike any other, the UMAC or at U-A-O, the UMAC. So, pause. 
Pause. If you don't want to hear the college football chatter, Happy New Year. And we're going to have a lot coming your way next week as we preview the restart to UMAC play. But now, we press play. Circling back to New Year's Eve, what you mentioned moments ago, Wyatt. Everyone can get so excited about the ball drop and the streamers and all the pandemonium and let's finally hit midnight because for some reason we can't just bask in the present. We always have to look forward to the next year because the new year is going to be so much better and I'll just end my rant right there. But we're looking forward to college football, Wyatt. And you have a team that for some odd reason you've been polling for for a number of say, years. You don't always have to say it's an odd reason. I'm not. We're, we don't have no, to get fine. into that. No, it's fine. You're legit. You're legit. It's fan. legit. I'm not, do- it's I'm legit. not dogging on you. Pardon the pun. But oh, I'm just oh. going to lay it right to you, Wyatt. We're going to skip to the second semifinal real quick. Your prognostication. Georgia trying to go back-to-back. They're the number one seed. They're unbeaten. Ohio State slips in, though. You're giving C.J. Stroud a chance. Marvin Harrison, Jr., Defense trying for some redemption after that laughable performance at the shoe against Michigan. Oh, Do the Buckeyes worry you as a Bulldog fan? Are you shaking in your boots a little bit? Could this get into a shootout game where they put up 35-plus on the Dogs' defense? Uh, I Okay, first off, a lot of questions there. I will answer the first one. Do they scare me? Not in the slightest. And honestly, that would be my answer to any team that you present in, in front of me at this point because – Georgia has proven time and time again when they need to, they raise their level of play. We have nothing to lose. Defending champs from last year, nothing. There, there's no reason to be afraid of Ohio State, especially off their most recent performance. Can they score 35 points? I don't think so. I, I don't think they get into the 30s in this game. I, I really don't. Even if they do, that's the thing. Georgia could still win the game by double digits. They just did an SEC championship game against LSU. So, there's, there's a lot that's going to need to happen here for Ohio State to win this game. What do you think uh, about the matchup? And, and I want you to give a score prediction if I'm going to give one. We both have to do it. But what do you think uh, about this matchup? Does it intrigue you? Is it more intriguing than the other semifinal? A lot of people tend to think it is. They're kind of dismissing the Michigan-TCU game, which I still think has an opportunity to be a good game. But a lot of people are just looking at this game specifically. Yeah, I mean, I'm looking forward to both of them for different reasons. I think the Michigan-TCU game is getting a little slept on, and I'm looking forward to it because um, I think TCU has more of a chance than a lot of people are giving them, and we'll get to that one in a second. But, you know, similar to our guy Kirko that we were talking about moments ago, I think Stetson Bennett is one of the, if not the most, underappreciated player in all of college football. So I would just say enjoy him for what he's doing in this last final stretch, and we've talked about this a lot, obviously, off mic before in the past. But he's – an unbelievable athlete, and people don't give yeah. him credit for that. So I'm looking forward to the moment where he runs away from a defensive end, and, you know, I so appreciate Brock Bowers and the, you know, trio of tight ends that they got making big plays, and, you know, my second cousin, A.D. Mitchell, on the side doing his thing, so always appreciate that, representing the name. But, you know, when Stetson goes off running, those are some of my favorite plays, so I'm looking forward to seeing some of that. And then, you know, just the fact that it's going to be, remember, for folks who don't know, this game is in Atlanta – in the secondary home of Georgia Bulldogs football. I mean, it's basically Sanford okay. Stadium okay. indoors. Okay, okay, okay. I'm not, say, I'm not saying why it's a bad thing. I'm just, this, I'm just stating a fact. I'm this, stating a fact. Well, okay, do, do Buckeyes fans not have the same opportunity Georgia fans have to go and attend this game? Like They do, I, but, you I, I know, Georgia understand. fans are going to pay an arm and a leg, and they don't care to make sure that it's, you know, a dog pound, for and, lack and of a let better me be term very clear. And that's not let their me, fault. And let me be very clear, that'd be the case no matter where the game is played. 
I don't remember the last time Georgia didn't have more fans than the opposing team on a neutral remember, site or even some of the road to, games. Remember when they went to South Bend five or six years ago? They, they like to fill the stands. But that's the other thing that's laughable. These Ohio State players in their press conference saying how it's Ohio against the world. Have you ever thought it's Ohio State against the world? Has anybody actually ever thought that? No, but Wyatt, they need some narrative. They need some idea coming in. So, you know, they're they're acting like no one's giving them a chance, which it's interesting because I literally saw it, uh, earlier tonight somebody picked them to win the whole thing, not just against Georgia. So there are people out there who are that saying that's a path to so victory. Just, so just disregard no, that. No, it was actually he... another It was another former uh, football coach. It was oh, uh, okay. Mr. Peterson, formerly <laughs> oh, of Washington Peterson, and Boise yeah. State. Yeah. Yep. Yep. He's with so, Emmanuel Acho, right, uh, on the Fox Sports on One Fox show or whatever. Yeah, you can disregard those guys, too. <laughs> they, they don't know what they're talking about. Anyway, I mean, you know, I'll, I'll cut to the chase. My score prediction, I think it could be close for a little bit as a football fan. I hope it's, you know, somewhat close. But I'm going 38-21. Uh, to 21. Georgia pulls away, and it's never really that much of a big deal whatsoever. Stetson runs for at least one touchdown he does a lot of work with his legs he runs for over 50 yards and gets across the goal line once with the football in his hand and uh we're asking you know is cj stroud superior to bryce young as we get into the draft speculation as this season ends (laughs) which i'm looking forward to over the last multiple months as great as that is i don't think anybody will say he's a better prospect than stroud regardless of what happens here but you know i i I, I told you this before, the only other quarterback I would take going into this week and outside of Stetson Bennett is Bryce Young just because of the playmaking ability he has and he's played in the playoffs before. Otherwise, I'm taking Stetson Bennett. I mean that wholeheartedly. So that says a lot about him and the growth he has had over the years as a player. And that's where you said he still doesn't get the respect he deserves. With that being said, there's a lot of different paths this game could take. It could be a high-scoring game. It could also be a really low-scoring game because if Georgia gets ahead, Ryan... They've done this time and time again. They might just sit on that lead, run the football. If they know they can stop them defensively, shorten this game up. We saw it against Tennessee earlier this year. You remember what happened in that game? Georgia had like a 10-minute possession in the third quarter (laughs) where they just ran the football. And and they could easily do that again here if they get an early lead. And I'm not sure Ohio State's built to come back from that. If you spot Georgia 10, 14 points early in this game and they get ahead of you by double digits and just sit on the ball – they're going to be in big trouble. That's kind of what I see happening here in this game. So I think it's going to be a lower-scoring game. I'll take Georgia to win this one, 27. Let's say Ohio State will score a touchdown late and make it like 27-21 to 21 or something like that. But it will never wow. really be in question. Like, they'll have a late backdoor cover. Look at this. I say they're winning by 17, and the, the Bulldog fan himself, who a few minutes ago said he's not worried in the slightest, says that it's a backdoor cover six-point win. Okay. Again, it's not because they aren't capable of winning the game by 30 or running up the score, scoring a lot of points. Do they want to? Do they feel safe sure. just running the football, melting the clock? Because they can win in a lot of different ways, and I think Georgia will do that. They'll sit on the lead once they get it early. If Ohio State gets the lead early, though, Get ready for a shootout. There's going to be a lot of points scored in this game, and that's where it could get really fun. But I think people will be a little bored with this game because I think Georgia's going to try and slow it down. They're not going to be necessarily interested once they get a touchdown or two-touchdown lead to continue to put the throttle on. They're just going to want to melt that clock, sit on that lead, trust their defense like they typically do. There's one more, obviously, to get, and that's what they're concerned about. But we've seen it multiple times this year, Wyatt. Coach Munkin, he goes for the style points. 
I mean, they're against they're LSU. To, you're talking about the yeah, two point and I know conversion. It's a, I know it's a different spot, but doesn't it feel a little bit to you like you know? I'm not sure that Kirby's exactly playing this card going into that game, but it feels like there's maybe just a tidge bit, little bit of disrespect just because it's the brand name of Ohio State and oh, what could be. You don't think they want to send a little message? No, I'm like sure they more probably than, more than just win the game. I'm sure they probably do, but again, uh, you want to win another national championship, and the only time Georgia gets into trouble is if Stetson Bennett plays a little bit loose, and, and we've seen that in games where they knew they were going to win the game. For instance, like against Florida, he threw two interceptions. He was trying to make passes that nobody should even bother trying to make. And uh, what was the other game? He had a bad interception. I can't remember. It looked like he was just trying to throw it just because he was like, uh, I'm just bored. I, I want to see <laughs> see if we can do this or not. We know we're going to win the game. That's not the case necessarily with Ohio State. You don't want to put yourself in a position where you're turning the ball over. And I trust Stetson to make a bunch of plays. Don't get me wrong. But if you can just run the ball effectively and get a surge at the line of scrimmage, which I think Georgia can do because they're physically superior coming into this game, why not do that? run the clock after you get the big lead, win this game that way. And also there's the piece to it where Ohio State's defense feels like they've been disrespected, so I think they're going to give a better effort than people think. And so I think it's a lower-scoring game. Like I said, backdoor cover late, like a 27-21 win, something like that. Uh, It'll be anywhere from that one to two touchdown range. Okay. I think it's going to be north of two touchdowns, but not three touchdowns. I well, honestly, I don't know if I hope you're right. I'm at the point where I have told you this, you're and bored. I got my you're wish. Bored. I got my wish with Missouri, and it was close, and they almost lost to Missouri of all teams. But seriously, eh, I, I kind of nice. want a close game to a certain extent. Come on. I, I, I'm not kidding. I'm not kidding. It's hilarious. I mean, it's, it, it, it is it is kind of fun to go back and watch that national championship against Alabama and be as nervous and, like, feel alive as, a little bit. Yeah. Now you, you beat LSU by 20, and you're just numb to the experience, as great as it was to win the game and win the SEC championship. Close games are fun just for the sake of the sport anyway. So I hope both these semifinal games are close, especially in the past. Ryan, we've only had like one or two semifinal games that were close. Yeah. The Ohio State-Clemson game where Justin Fields threw the interception in the end zone, and then the Georgia-Oklahoma game in the Rose Bowl. That's arguably one of the greatest games of all time, the double overtime game, 54-48. to So outside of that, all these semifinal games are typically blowouts. I hope it's a close game, and uh, I think we will get a couple of close games. At least that's my hope this weekend. Yeah, I mean, tell me about it. I mean, we don't talk about that enough, and you're so right. We've had a couple good ones, but for the most part, the semis are built up so much, and then they're just a laugher. Now I want to switch to the other one because I – I honestly don't see a path where this is not within a touchdown between Michigan and TCU. And I understand they looked really good against Ohio State, but we got to go back and remember, and I'm not saying this to defend Ohio State by any means, but that's a one-score game early in the fourth quarter, and it gets out of hand because Michigan goes up two scores, and then it honestly just looked like the Ohio State defense quit, and they let up a couple big runs to Edwards, and he's capable. But you don't have a Blake Corum. J.J. McCarthy's never been in a spot close to this big of stakes, and I know he just played in the shoe, and he played a good game, but you know a lot of that, Wyatt, I mean, it was a ton of terrible plays by the Ohio State secondary down the field, flags on the field because they're not turning back towards the football, pass interference penalties left and right. Michigan doesn't have to apologize. They were aggressive, came out throwing, but 
if you don't just give JJ the deep throws and commit a bunch of pass interference penalties, like make the kid run. So, all all we heard about last year with JJ McCarthy is he's got to play over Cade McNamara because he's this unbelievable runner. So you're making the case for TCU right now? Yeah. So I'm just I'm just building into this game, and what I'm saying is because because what were they when last time I saw they were what six or seven point favorites? Yeah, both both games are about six or oh, seven point favorites. And uh, okay, I'm gonna keep the recording going here in case Ryan comes back here. Oh, there he's back. We'll keep that Sorry, in there. We're I not didn't gonna. Mean to do I'm that. not. We're, we're not gonna to edit this at all. So we're gonna it's let fine. that roll. You disappeared on me there for a second, but I was gonna say they're both about six seven point favorites. Which do you get that? I mean, like. Quorum's well, out. I'm not I, acting like that's the biggest deal ever, but why is TCU that much of an because, underdog? I don't because get of it. The, because of the way they've won some of their games, I, I think it's fair. You know what I mean? Like, TCU deserves to be in the playoff. I don't think they should be the three seed, if we're being honest. They probably should have been number four, but because they were 12-1 and one and Ohio State was 11-1, and one, that's fine. Put them number three, that's great. They have won a lot of close games, barely beating a Baylor team who just got beat by Air Force in their bowl game. Uh, you know, there's just there's there's a lot of questionable results on their resume, and I, I mean, yeah, they won the games, but uh, does that necessarily mean they're as good as their record indicates? You know what I mean? I, ju- I just go back. I think we got too much into because the line I'm actually looking at right now is Michigan by seven and a half. Are you kidding me? Over a touchdown without Blake Corum? So you like what? you will 100% be taking TCU to cover is what you're saying? Yeah, I mean that's that's not a thing that I do. But if I, if I were I'm not saying you're gonna like, go. No, no, no. That's not what I meant. But I'm just saying like yes. as far as your prediction yep. for this game. Absolutely. I like I said, you know, a few moments ago, I'd be very surprised if this is not within a touchdown either way, because unless you know TCU's just turning the ball over left and right. I mean, I don't get it. Are we saying that Michigan's gonna score north of 30? and then their defense is going to find a way to shut down Duggan, and they're just not going to be able to score. Like, I don't think this TCU team is world-class by any stretch of the imagination, but I also look at it and say, Wyatt, I think this Michigan team is at least a step, if not two steps below of the Michigan team from a season ago. And I know they faced your Bulldogs, and they are not TCU. Don't get me wrong. But this Michigan team, to me, is for sure not even last year's team. It's not comparable with the studs that was on that roster and who was drafted in the makeup of that club. And I know they were awarded the best offensive line in football, but again, you don't have your Heisman trophy candidate. I still think they can throw the football, but again, JJ McCarthy, how is JJ McCarthy over Max Duggan? You're, you're a really seven and like a half JJ point McCarthy, favorite. man. I don't even dislike him that much, but I'm just at, what has he done to inspire this thought that he's going to be a it's, world beater and put up a huge numbers in this game? Look, it's a lot more than that. I think this goes to Michigan's defense and what they're capable of, too, and the the physicality aspect, and can they control the line of scrimmage. I think there's a lot that goes into this outside of just J.J. McCarthy and Max Duggan. And and when you beat Ohio State, and again, it was close in the fourth, but when you end up beating them by 23, regardless of how it happened, you're going to get some respect. So it doesn't shock me that the line is like this. So what's, what's the score prediction? Do you think TCU does slow down Michigan's offense and it's a lower scoring game and Michigan wins, but it's close? Do you think TCU wins? Are they going to go to the national championship? How do you see this playing out? Yeah, so it, it's a tough one for me. You're still undecided I, right now. No, no, I, I am decided, actually, who I think is going to win the game. It's it's more than, than Duggan versus McCarthy, I agree with you, but it all goes back to I just think there's way too much stock put into that Ohio State game. It got away from him late, and I think Ohio State honestly played from Stroud to the non-existent run game to the secondary. I think they played a really, really bad game in that spot. And give credit to Michigan for what they did, I guess. All that is to be said, it's, it's lower scoring, I think. 
All right, he left us again here, so we'll see if he gets back on as he was about to get to uh, his prediction. I'll give you my prediction here, maybe. Uh, let's see. We might have to edit this out, actually. See if he comes back here. Hey, if you made it this far on the pod, congratulations. Appreciate that, and uh, appreciate your support. I, I don't know that uh, TCU does stand much of a chance in this game personally, I think Michigan's physicality is going to be too much for the Horned Frogs, and I'm going to take Michigan to win. I'll give my score prediction uh, once we get Ryan back with us, but uh, I think there's a lot of reasons to like Michigan in this game, and uh, like I said, I'll get into that once we get him back. So, um, yeah, I think it's going to be really interesting to see how this uh, plays out and shapes up. Then, huh? It's unbelievable. I'm switching through tabs here, and I'm I'm exiting out of stuff. So, did you hear my prediction, or did I get cut off? You got cut off, and I kind of okay. rambled here for 40 <laughs> seconds. And so, we'll see if we edit okay. any of this out or not. It's real. late. Maybe we won't. Maybe we will. Real quick, but, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll just get this out real quick. TCU wins the ball game. Okay, I'm going TCU right. 26, 23 in the ball game. I don't think Michigan scores a ton. Duggan makes some plays late, and and they find a way. So stay with us here for my prediction. Now, don't disappear on us again. <laughs> As I was telling the listeners while I waited for you to hop back into the conversation, I am going to take Michigan to win this game. What was your score prediction again? 26-23. We hit the under I'm, on this one. I'm very simple, or very similar, I should say, not simple, uh, very similar in the thought process. I think it's in the mid-20s. Maybe Michigan uh, gets up to 30. I do think Michigan wins. And I think we're looking at a one-score game, something close. I think TCU will hit a deep shot or two, but Michigan's physicality. Donovan Edwards, Ronnie Bell, those are those are good players, Ryan. I, you can't sleep I on agree. these guys. I understand Blake Quorum's out, but those guys can still make plays. And Michigan was in this game last year in the semifinals. You cannot replace that kind of experience. You, you just you can't. And, and the preparation leading up to the game, they've gone through this. A lot of their guys have. McCarthy wasn't the starter last year, but he was on the team. He's gone through this. And so I, I, I like that whole aspect. I trust Jim Harbaugh. I think Michigan will win the game. It's going to be a Michigan-Georgia National Championship, a rematch of a semifinal a year ago. The two physically superior teams in college football, Georgia still miles ahead of Michigan, but the two most physical teams are going to be in the National Championship. That's my take. Just put the cherry on top. I mean, we could circle back to this later, but as we're sitting now, I mean, we'll circle back if it's Georgia-Michigan, but just give us a score for that one. As we're sitting here. If it's Georgia-Michigan? Yeah. Just top of the head. What's the would, first thing that comes Again, I, I would like it to be close. I think <laughs> Georgia would win fairly comfortable, though. I think it would be very similar to last year. I, I think Georgia would build a lead. They. It's funny because they gave Michigan's offensive line the uh, – the, what's that award called? I, I don't know. They got the best offensive line yeah. of the year award, though. I can't remember the name, yeah. Oh, that'd be funny to watch them go up against Georgia's defensive line again. They were, last year they wore the run the ball shirts into the the stadium before the game, and then they yeah. got absolutely humiliated. So, uh, well, it'd be for stopping Georgia, there ain't no David Ajabo or Aiden Hutchinson able to make a play. Aiden so. Hutchinson basically made the decision not to play in that game, anyways, with how much of a non-factor he was. But, <laughs> anyways, uh, you know, I I think it'd be a fifteen fourteen. Somewhere around their point victory for Georgia, I think they'd win the game by double digits. I really do. That tells you a lot. I mean, it's backdoor cover. I get it, but you think Ohio State would 
chip closer for what we're going to see Saturday I think Ohio versus State's, what Michigan would do. I think Ohio State's better than Michigan. We just didn't. We just didn't see it a few weeks ago in the show. We didn't. No, and a like month, said, a month game, ago, I guess yeah. that game was closer than yep. people realize. And I think Ohio State's just pure talents from a talent standpoint. Ohio State's more talented than Michigan is. So if they put it all together. They're, they're a better team, and they could present more problems for Georgia than Michigan can. Michigan's a, s- a smaller version. They're like the little brother of Georgia. They don't do w- what Georgia does as well. You know what I mean? Yep. I, I said that backwards, but you get what I'm saying. Yep. Like Georgia is a better version of Michigan, so it's yep. a bad matchup for Michigan. But Ohio State could stretch the field, get their passing game going, and potentially cause some problems. I don't see Michigan being able to do that. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. And then uh, other matchups as well that we're not going to talk about here. We're just talking about and, the playoff, but it should be fun. And if it's TCU, Georgia, or TCU, Ohio State, for that matter, it's interesting because out of the four teams, or the three teams, I guess I should say, TCU could have played in the first round. They got the best draw they could have, I think. I I don't think they'd stand a chance against Ohio State, and I certainly don't think they'd stand a chance against Georgia. So I it think is, they're It is set an up, interesting matchup. I'll give you that. Yep. I think they're set up to have success against Michigan. I still think, I mean, they're the Cinderella's. They're the one that maybe people would argue. I know you like them, and you're saying, well, shouldn't they belong? Why? Where's the disrespect? All that stuff. I, I think Michigan will beat them. And if anything, uh, TCU hopefully uh, keeps it close, which I think they can. But it, it could get lopsided, too. I, I really think TCU is the far less superior of the four teams. Yeah, Ohio State has more Jimmys and Joes than TCU or Michigan has. I mean, whoever advances from that game to play Georgia, they're less of a threat than Ohio State poses. Now, I said that Georgia was going to win by 17 points on Saturday over Ohio State. I still agree with what you said, though, where Ohio State at least poses a little bit of a threat with how they can stretch the field and their ability to say, okay, if we hit some big plays here or there, this could get interesting. I don't see that happening with Michigan or TCU against Georgia. So, so, so honestly, so, it feels like Ohio State-Georgia is a bigger spot than the Natty in a way. It does. No, I think the winner of that game is absolutely going to win the national championship. Are you telling me that Georgia is going to win by 17 Saturday and then they're going to win by more in the national championship? Is it going to be another boring Wouldn't be playoff? Wouldn't be shocked. Wouldn't be shocked at all. Not only that, remember, and I don't think I texted you this after last year. I texted some people this. I said this is only the beginning. And, yeah, and you told me that as well. I think and you said that on this pod maybe even, yeah. And maybe I did. And, uh, you know, I might have to listen back now. You might actually be right. Uh, I and, and it's looking more and more true. Regardless of what happens this year, Georgia is set up for success year in and year out. They're at a level right now that Nick Saban had Alabama at all these years. And, and especially Nick is within three years of retiring. So I mean, when he leaves, who knows what happens to that program if they just he's, take a nosedive? He's and been start a couple years. Games. He's he's been a couple years from retiring for a long time. I'll believe it when I see it. But honestly, I I would not be shocked if if Georgia were to win it this year, with the schedule they have next year. There's no reason they can't get back to the playoff again next year. They, we could be they looking should. at a chance for a three-peat, Just saying. And, until until something drastically changes, I mean, they should be favored to be in that spot and it's a shock if it's otherwise well and once we get to 12 teams and we've talked about this but the, the it's just going to be pointless games in the regular season then <laughs> so that ruins college football but whatever for another day for another day yeah uh let's end it there thanks for everybody that listened to this portion i mean you don't have anything else to say as far as college extended football goes portion. do you no looking yeah, the forward extended to it portion exactly gophers so. are going to win by a zillion from when we're recording this this may be over by the time huh. it's up, we we got something Syracuse. else we got something else to quick talk about there too <laughs> off the mic 
break, and then uh, well, I'll let you get some sleep because it's getting late. But thanks for everybody that listened. Hope you enjoyed it. We'll be back next week with another edition as we preview the conference games as we start back up here in 2023. Have a happy new year, everybody. This was another edition of the Unlike Any Other, the UMAC podcast.